Welcome to the Tribute to Happiness at Work, at Home, in Life podcast. What is happiness? Where do you find happiness? How do you feel happiness? Do you control your own happiness or is somebody else controlling your happiness? Are you living a meaningful and worthwhile life where you experience joy, contentment and positive well-being? Do you feel happiness at work, at home and in life? In this Tribute to Happiness podcast, you will discover what happiness means to people all over the world and how they implement happiness in their life. Here is your host, Hjeden Svenperson, and with him you'll explore these and other interesting topics. Hello and good morning. This is Iceland's Chief Happiness Officer calling. In this episode of Tribute to Happiness, we are going to talk about passions where we create and an environment where people find meaning in their work, feel a connection to their colleagues and a commitment to a shared purpose. How can we create a culture where everyone feels valued, is empowered to use their unique strengths and has clarity on why their work matters? How can we provide an employee experience that ensures works helps people feel and be better, not broken? Let's talk about the three C's, care, connection, and contribution in context with happiness at work. This is Jason. Hey, Jason. This is... Hello, Hedden. Hedden? Uh, Try to say Hedden. Hedden? Yeah, almost. Almost. Uh, we, we Americans, especially we Southerners, can never say all these things. No, I know. And especially, we know one guy who, like, he is definitely struggling with saying my name. But we will not. We will not. He, like me, is a Southerner. Yes. And we will, we will, we will not say his name, Kevin. No, sorry. Uh, the man's <laughs> name. Sorry. So, yes. you are Jason Muti. Muti. Mau. It depends on how Italian you're feeling, with what your mood is, but uh, Meucci, or you can be really, you can dress it up like the Italians do, Meucci. Ah, Meucci, because I, like, we, in Iceland, we say that we are the Northern Italians, because we speak with our hands, and, like, we are passive-aggressive, like the Italians. Don't do this, man. <laughs> no wonder I felt so at home when I was there a few years ago. Yeah, you have been to, uh, to Iceland. So, yes, how, how was uh, it? Well, you know, it's it's a. Um, I hate that I went there. It was it was 2015, I think, and by that point, Iceland had already become cool. It wasn't as this secret hidden treasure that you know it once was, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Americans had discovered it by that point, but nevertheless, I, I was there during the summer solstice, and so it was almost 24 hours of light, which was a, just a, a really a, a wonder to to be a part of and to be out hiking on a mountainside and realize, wait a minute, it's 11:30 at night. Um, mm. And just a wonderful, wonderful, you know, it's, it's, the, the landscape is indescribable. Uh, it just, it's a, it's a trip of a lifetime for sure, even though it's a, a little cliche for Americans now because it seems like, at least before the pandemic, everybody went to Iceland. But um, nevertheless, it's, it's a trip that I will treasure for, for the rest of my life. Really a special place. I just wish that I had known you when I was there because it always helps when you can be uh, shown around by a local. Yeah. And now you know Iceland's chief happiness officer. 
Yeah, it, it pays to have connections. Yeah, uh, so uh, you, you have connections. Like, like, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. This this so conversation wanna, is so back. Italian. <laughs> I want to come back and, and you and I sit under the northern lights and drink some of that uh, horrific Icelandic vodka or whatever it is you drink there and uh, have a good time. And the fermented shark? Did you taste the that? Fermented shark, yes. I had some of that too. And sheep testicles? Not doing it. Not doing it. Well... I draw you, the line at shark. No, no, you will do it if you come to and visit me. I will give you firm, <laughs> like sheep testicles and stuff. So you. <laughs> right, if, if the chief happiness officer orders me to do so, I have to follow orders. I yes. guess. So, Jason, we met at like in the community of this extraordinary life, and I find your history very intriguing because you were employed at CNN for what twenty one years. Twenty one years. 21 years, yeah. So go back, because this is a podcast about happiness at work. And working in a place, or at a place, for 21 years. How is it, like, did you start working there when you were five? Or because you are not a bit older than a 29-year-old. Like, we are at the same Barely. age. Barely. Yeah. 29. <laughs> yeah. So how, how was your journey, like, at, like through, just go through... Quickly, like how your journey was from when you started until you finished and what, like you must have gotten some more uh, responsibilities and stuff. Like, so yeah. tell us a little bit about your well, progress. It's interesting to think about my journey. And I, and I literally, I haven't thought about it in this context until this conversation. But if I think about that 21 years um, through the lens of happiness, I'm, I'm really grateful for thinking about how you know, as, as with all of us as human beings, what makes us happy and what happiness means evolves as we get older and, and as we go through different, different seasons of life. And when I first got the job, you know, I was just happy to work there because it was a dream job for me ever since I was in high school, um, I wanted to work there. And so to be able to make that happen shortly after I graduated college uh, certainly made me really happy uh, and proud. And then I think selfishly, you know, fast forward about eight or nine years into my career there. And I became what's called a field producer, which meant you get to travel all over the country, covering exciting, historical, important events um, and, and meeting with famous, important people or just doing things that by definition were interesting. And truthfully, up until that point, that is why I had gotten into the business. That was my dream job was to be able to be on the, these front lines of history. And that made me extraordinarily happy. And, and in fact, I was telling someone the other day, that, you know, I've heard this saying that somebody once said, I wish we could tell we we're in, or it was something like, I wish there was a way we could recognize the good old days when we were in the good old days. And, and for me, it was something like that. And for me, there were times where I was so happy because I was working with some of my best friends um, in my whole life, traveling around the country, doing extraordinary things. And I just, there, there are times where I caught myself thinking this, this can't last forever. Um, it's just too good to be true. And, and sure enough, you know, nothing does last forever. And for different reasons, you, you move on. And, and for me, that meant moving into a people leadership role. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait a minute, this really makes me happy. Um, getting to sort of invest in and grow uh, others and to be able to um, play a big role in, in building a cohesive team of people that start to really gel together and, and create their own sort of self-perpetuating sense of happiness and just creating sort of a family environment. And 
from then on, I think ever since then, that was gosh, uh, you know, mid two thousands maybe. And I think that's really led to the calling that I consider my, my work now around equipping leaders and teams to, to do the same thing is to, to do these little sort of human centric things that make people genuinely happy. Because if we're happy at work, chances are we're gonna be happy in the rest of our lives because we spend so much of our time working. And if, if work makes us miserable and I can speak from experience from other career stops, we're not gonna be, you know, we're not gonna be our best. We're not gonna be our happiest in any of our relationships. And so I'm on a quest to, to create a better world by really building a better world of work. And, and happiness is a big part of that. Uh, looking back, when you, <clears throat> when you got the job of like, as you say, uh, when you were like eight years in your, your career, did they like tell you just do your thing or did you have this uh, manuscript or like did you have the did they empower you to do things your way or did you have like did you have a, a script i would say a little bit of a hybrid um because like my first my first real job at cnn i'll call it is when i was when i moved away from atlanta where i had started and i moved to chicago um i was about eight years into my career and that was to really do that that producing work full time but also it was to manage a small office um at the same time and so the producing part was a little more prescriptive and a little bit sort of you get you got to follow the model or, or whatever it is but the people leadership part, I don't know what exactly they saw in me at the time, honestly, about because they were it was um, there was some dysfunction going on. And I was sent there to sort of maybe help rebuild the culture there. And um, I don't know what made my bosses believe that I was the right man for the job because I had never had a people. It was my first people leadership role. And um, it ended up being, you know, it ended up really working out. Um, so that part I did on my own. And I, I was, you know, I was only 30 years old or so. And I, I don't think I knew, I didn't really get a whole lot. I think I had like three days of management training and uh, they sent me off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> typical, <laughs> like typical, you're, yeah, oh, you're a leader now. Go out, <laughs> go yeah, out and so lead. Lo looking back on it now, um, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just sort of doing whatever came naturally to me. And luckily for me and, and hopefully for the, the team that I was leading, um, I was, I was, I didn't know it at the time, but I was practicing these principles of what's, you know, in, in the States is called servant leadership. Um, and it's really just about being others focused um, and, and doing, you know, putting them first and, and doing things that create the environment for people to do their best work. It's not really telling them how to do their job. It's, it's trusting them that they know how to do it, but it's just creating the environment um, and the motivation and the inspiration for them to want to do it um, in a bigger, better way. And, and for some reason, and I think it's because of my ability to sort of, build and nurture relationships um, that help me succeed. And that, that stayed with me no matter what my role is or what my company has been. It's been um, the way I have found the most success isn't because of my technical skills or, you know, uh, expertise. It's really just about being able to get the best out of people, you know, through through relationships. Yeah. So <clears throat> in the last, like you, you quit in 2015 or, or four, no 15 I left uh, I was laid <laughs> off you know as, as happens in corporate America I was yeah. laid off at the end of, of 2014 yeah so in the time like the years before that you you mentioned before we we started recording that like um, you had these teams and like 
Tell us a little bit about how you did things before you left, because it relates to what you're doing today, because you have something rather interesting aspect of like the three C's, which we get into, because did you know or realize that what you did then would influence your work today? Like, or like when you look back as like, oh, I was onto something there. Or like, what is it that led you to, okay, the three C's, care, connection, connection and uh, contribution. contribution. Yeah. Yes. So, so how did you like manage your team and why does it like relate to your work today? Yeah. Well, I certainly didn't know it at the time that it would lead to me, you know, doing these, these talks and these workshops and these virtual experiences around those three C's. But looking back on it from this end of the, of the time space continuing, I can certainly say, oh my gosh, this is what I was doing and why I was having success as a people leader. Maybe I wasn't having as much success in sort of the business part of the job as my bosses would have liked. I, I don't know for sure, but um, I know for sure I was having success in the people leadership part. Um, and, and it was because I made time every single day and, and had an intention every single day to invest in getting to know those, those individuals, those human beings and getting to know what they cared about outside of work and what their intrinsic motivators were and just really making them feel valued. And then, you know, we would do certain rituals and have sort of certain little fun things that we would do together that would be, you know, would create these moments of human connection in real time. But really they were also secretly in my head, I was filing these things away about, you know, the little things that make people who they are, that make them special because everybody has them. And, and then using these things to sort of start connecting dots between people and between people's purpose and between our shared, our shared purpose and our, and our sense of possibility as a team. And then, you know, uh, the, uh, the final piece of that sort of, or the, the penultimate piece of that is, is contribution. And, and really, this is where I think I sort of went against the grain in, in the management style that predominates in corporate America is that I really tried to tailor work based on people's strengths and interests. And so, and that's where the contribution piece comes in. Let people to what degree you can design the work so that they can contribute in a way that fuels their strengths, fuels their interest, um, and helps them grow in the way that they want to grow. And just gives them that sense of contribution to something they feel like they are, are doing what they are meant to do in the service of something meaningful to them. And then the, the final sort of topper um, that goes on top of the contribution is recognition. And that's how we get, you know, that's how we really ensure that who people are and what they do matter because that recognition piece, yeah, I think one thing that corporate America, and I'll keep going back to the corporate America piece, but it's probably predominant around the world, you know, recognition oftentimes in people's heads, it means, you know, celebrating a really big successful project win or something, you know, the, the going above and beyond and, and rightly so those things should absolutely be celebrated. But to me, those, that that's kind of table stakes. Um, as we say, I think where the real difference comes in with recognition is recognizing people for the little wit, the little things that they do, the little things about who they are and how they made a difference to a teammate that they weren't even really thinking about. It was, it was just their natural way of being. And, you know, in the moment in real time saying, Hey, I saw how you made a difference to your teammate over here. And, you know, I started asking, you know, I would do one-on-ones with my team and I would ask them, hey, how did so-and-so make your week better in the last week? And you start to really, you know, it, and it was really wonderful to start to hear 
the little things that would never go noticed unless you you intentionally ask those questions. And so then I started realizing, you know, doing it, taking what I learned in those one-on-one -on -one meetings and then really sort of organically creating a very, very low-key sort of public uh, portrayal of that and, and, and drawing those connections for each other so that people knew, oh yeah, that's the little thing that I am really good at that nobody else knows how to do or likes to do. People really appreciate that about me. So or they love the way I bring, you know, something to work each day. So you so you really made an effort as a team leader to like see what everybody has in store in life or what they could bring to the team and like and make an effort of bringing that to the light or like okay now I sounded like a priest but uh, that was not the meaning like you 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 pulled something valuable out of them or to make them shine yeah and that's exactly it and you know some of it was intention and effort you know luckily for me i think a lot of that comes naturally or you know it, got, it comes from seeing my my father do that with others and um it's just, it, it comes down to making people feel uniquely seen and valued for who they are um, and how, not, not what they do. Of course, that's nice to recognize, but really how they do it. And the more you can make people feel seen and valued for unique reasons um, and to make them genuinely feel invested in and cared for, they're going to know that they matter. And when you feel like you matter, you are happy. There's no way you can- um, And empowered maybe empowered for sure you, you are empowered to be your best self yeah. um we can't always show up with that every day no matter how great your boss is or how great the environment is or you know life takes its its punches at you and some so some days you, you can't be your best self but it, it it really helps when you are in an environment where you know your teammates care about who, you know who you are and what you're struggling with and you know they're going to have your back um and I, that's the that's the type of environment i like to create for teams but how, how is it like for me when I, because as the era, which is now over at you, like in you know, America, CNN has been criticized of being too whatever. Like it's no secret that media creates a lot of things around negativity. How yeah. did you and like, what did you do as a team leader in this environment? Like, you were maybe always. How much of your stuff was like? I, I think that you maybe uh, out of every one hundred news, then maybe one news were like, yay, something positive. <laughs> or like, how 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 do you go around in this in environment and for twenty one years and not being stir crazy? because of yeah. all the negativity, because that is what sells. Unhappiness sells. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure, you know, a vast majority of the stories I did um, were quote unquote about negative or unpleasant things. That's what sort of like, you know, like you said, that's sort of what is newsworthy. Um, towards the end of my career, but again, you know, there are certainly Certainly my favorite stories and some of the best stories that I did with my teams were all around happy things or, you know, positive things. Um, and I was really proud of the the people that were working for me 
in that last team because some of them really started to recognize, um, and these were you know people very early in their career, and they really started to point out and, and look for opportunities to create or share positive stories. And I think it was at the beginning of this light wave of, of, of a movement in American media anyway, to try to highlight the good. Um, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the majority of the stories that we put out, but we tried to be more intentional about finding those stories that made people feel better and give, give them a little bit of lift, um, give them a little bit of hope. And I'll, I'll fast forward uh, a few years in my, my career journey. When I, when, I, when I moved here to Seattle, I was a, um, a project lead at a local NBC affiliate here and they, they had hired me to lead a team that was starting a new show. And that new, it was gonna be a news program that aired at four o'clock in the afternoon, but it was going to focus on the positive. Even when there was a negative story, we would try to look for the so-called silver linings or what could be you know, the possibilities that this bad thing could generate. It was really, really fun. Um, it was really, really fun because it was a, a newscast that by design, we, we set out our intention and we, you know, this, we put a lot of thought and debate into this in our, in our show shaping sessions, that's hard to say, but we wanted to have viewers an hour long show. And our goal was to hopefully ensure that viewers felt recharged or filled up at the end of that hour, as opposed to drained. Um, and, you know, looking at it now, I think that's what I'm trying to do with my, my leadership prelude model is like, we should be doing the things that fill people up at work, not break them down. Work should make people better, not broken. And, you know, we were trying to do the same thing with that news show. We wanted people feeling good at the end of that, that newscast. Um, it was a very non-traditional, we covered traditional news stories to some degree, but we, we did it. Um, there was a, there's a, a much bigger mix on positive stories and, and positive angles to even bad stories. Um, and so it was, it was really, really great. And I, I look at it now as like, this is what, you know, another sort of dot in my journey that I can connect to, like just trying to have that positive growth mindset. And I, I haven't always succeeded by any means. I have failed many times at trying to do that, but now it's, now it's become a part of my, my way of being and that's my daily intention. And so I think a mindfulness practice has helped me realize when I'm sort of going into that negative direction, which is inevitable, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a human being, but at least being mindful of it, you can try to sort of be more aware and, and maybe minimize it, not eliminate it. So as I remember, if I remember correctly, the show was canceled because of something like it was not the thing or whatever, it did not make the revenue or whatever, it was just cost instead of profit. <laughs> Well, it lasted that 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 show lasted two years. Um, you know, I was gone by that point because they had only hired me. It was, it was only supposed to be a three month project, and they kept me around for for eight months because it was going really kind of well. And um, but it, you know, it ended because the, the 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 leadership at that station wanted to go back to a more traditional newscast, um, more of the hard news focus. And I don't know, I wasn't there, and so I don't know the full reasoning about why mm -hmm. they, they shifted gears again. But I know, um, you know one of the cool things about that show is we we had a technology that allowed um, viewers to text back and forth with the anchors during the show, um, and so it was really really a, a new level of engagement. And 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 we would collect the text that we would get at the end of every day, and we would put them in a, to a spreadsheet to kind of it was a great way to get a pulse for how people were reacting to this new format. 
And, you know, not surprisingly to you um, or to me, people love the focus on positivity. They, they loved focusing on things that make people happy. Um, whether that translated to advertising sales, I don't know because I wasn't there that long to know sort of how that played out. But, um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a wonderful experiment. And that's, you know, I think one of the, we haven't gotten into to psychological safety. I don't know if that's a little too deep for this conversation, but it is, it's such an important part of people being able to feel happy. And, and when you feel happy, when you feel psychologically safe at work, you can, you, you're not afraid to innovate or experiment um, and take risks. And that's how ultimately we, we get, we make the world better is, is trying things in a new way. Um, and you can't do that unless you feel safe to do so. But that is, yeah, I think that is the essential, like for a leader, they have to do it. They have to make a space for the yeah. employee to do it because otherwise you just get stuck in a rut and then like, why should you be happy or why should you do something for the company, like go the, walk the extra mile or whatever we, we say. So yeah. fast forwarding to the, to today jason today and and his quest for happiness at work because now you are you are a one-man show you are a you are an entrepreneur isn't it like getting there yeah, yeah you're getting there but how, how what is it that that like takes in your box because now you have talking about the mattering horn like the three c's that's the care and yep. the uh the connection care and connection and contribution i will learn it eventually I know the three C's, so that's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that must be something. <laughs> but how is it for you? Like, what is it when when you were working? What like what is it when you woke up, opened your eyes, and said, "Yes, another day at the job." Like, what was yeah. it that really, like, I know you had, you must have been like twenty-one years. It must have been highs and lows, and just like maybe highs for one week and then a low for two weeks or whatever. Like, what is happiness at work? You have already said so many things about it, but for you, for Jason, what was it that like made you yeah. tick besides coffee? Well, you know, at CNN, certainly there were, there were way, way, way more highs than lows. Um, you know, I'll be forever grateful for everything that career gave me um, work-wise and, and, and people-wise. You know, I, I, the work that I do now started to really be born um, as a result of my last corporate, my most recent corporate role. And I, I won't name the, the company, but um, you know, it was another giant corporation and uh, just a really bad culture. And uh, it was the antithesis of everything that I try to practice as a, as a leader. And, you know, I, I didn't feel cared for. I didn't feel listened to. I didn't feel connected to um, anything meaningful. I wasn't, I absolutely wasn't contributing with my best strengths. And as a result, I wasn't doing great work. But I absolutely will admit that I was not good at my job. The job was not a good fit for me and, and vice versa. And so it was just, it was just a mismatch and it was a miserable experience. And it started really, really breaking me down emotionally, um, mentally, even physically. I mean, I, I can't, overstate how miserable I was uh, as a result of that experience. And, and I was thinking, so, and I, so I made the decision to leave there and, and I started really doing some soul searching about comparing and contrasting my best and, and, and worst work experiences. And, and about that time I started doing, I started leaning more into doing formalized coaching. I've always been really, really very active um, and, and very passionate about mentoring and done a little bit of coaching. And then I started to sort of, 
um, organically, I started to sort of develop some, some coaching clients and a lot of them, what I was working with them on was sort of the same types of things. They were feeling really broken by work or conversely, it was a, um, there's one person I worked with who was a leader who was really struggling to get any sort of committed performance out of her team. Um, and all these things started to really triangulate, whether it was my own experiences or what I was hearing from coaching clients, it, I could really trace them back to how much or how little these three elements were present. Were people feeling cared for? Were you showing care to your team as a human being, not just a function? Were people really feeling connected to each other, to their boss, to each other, to a, a shared purpose? Were people being able, you know, empowered to use your word, you know, to contribute with their best strengths and, and to really do work that made a difference to them? And were they being recognized in meaningful ways on a regular basis? And so I started to think about, wait a minute, it all really comes down to this. And then actually, you know, in my, at the same time, I was finishing up my master's degree in organizational leadership with Gonzaga University. And, and uh, you know, a lot of these elements came through organically and some of that, that, that work as well. I started to really look at it and things that started to slowly crystallize more and more. And then as part of my graduate work, I just happened to take a quick glance at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that pyramid of, of our basic human needs. And I realized care, connection, and contribution are, bank, are baked right into Maslow's hierarchy. I'm not just crazy doing this, you know, woo-woo, touchy-feely stuff. These are our human needs. We need to feel safe. We need to feel cared for. We need to feel a sense of belonging. We need to feel a sense of, of recognition. And all of those things can directly map to my, my matter, mattering horn, as I call it, my mountain, based on care, connection, and contribution. And I realized I actually have something here. So I started talking about it, you know, with our community and with others. And, and, and now I help teach a, um, uh, a graduate level course at Gonzaga in leadership and team building. And, and these things are absolutely, I don't bring my three C's into that, but all the, all the course content and all the exercises that we do with students, and these are master's students and doctoral students now, um, are really designed to tap into the human element of the workforce and the human beings that are necessary to make your company succeed. And, and certainly those three C's are a big part of that. And um, so I'm just, I'm, and I'm just happy that people are finding uh, value in it. And I, and I call it the leadership prelude because you should be prefacing everything you do as a leader with these things. If you do these things, if you bake these into your day-to-day, week-to-week way of being, none of this takes any financial investment. It just takes personal intention. And you can just find little moments during the day throughout the week to do little things. And I have a whole list of activities and I call them intentions um, that leaders can do or that teammates can do with each other to just really make this a part of your, your way of being at work. And, um, and so it's, it's really easy to do, but it's, you have to do, uh, you have to be intentional about it. But if you, you do this stuff as a sort of a prelude to your prelude to your bigger, harder, more challenging sort of business oriented task, I like to say this isn't going to solve all of your business problems, but will, it will absolutely make all of those problems more solvable because people feel like they have a stake. They feel like they are, um, they are contributing to it. They feel like they, um, you know, that it means something to them. And so people are, are gonna put forth the effort and the commitment to help you solve those problems because they feel cared for. I mean, how can you expect employees to care about their work or care about your customers if they're not feeling cared for as human beings? And, you know, one of the one of the career stops that I had in between the, the, the things that we've talked about 
was with Delta Airlines and as a contractor, and they are an extraordinarily people-centric culture and everything they do. Um, you know, I was a contractor doing employee storytelling, and every story I did almost was about highlighting and recognizing um, the good work of people and the culture of Delta and how that played out in the customer experience. And they they are so strategic and intentional and invested and making their people feel cared for. Um, and they, they do feel connected to, like they don't feel like they are just checking people in on a plane, like they are helping connect people to the world. Um, or, you know, all of those employees feel like they are a part of something bigger. And when you are feel a part of something bigger, you're probably gonna be a lot happier in your work because you feel like your work matters. It's unbelievable how, because before we started recording, you were like, how we, like what we should, discuss and I was just like yeah we are talking about happiness at work and and your work because I never realized I'm just realizing now how much it it combines like what your three C's to care connecting contributing is aligned with like happiness at work because you have to focus on the things that matters so yeah. it's it's unbelievable and and we will post like I will put your stuff on on my Facebook and wh- wherever I can and can put it, but we still have to discuss like Jason's happiness at home. Like, what what yeah. is it that like keeps you? <clears throat> what what is it that you do to like energize? Like, what do you do to like be happy at home? Or what, like, how how is it? Yeah, well, that's, you know, it certainly has changed during the the, the pandemic. Um, you know, everything about our life has changed. But you know, I, I don't want to be sort of pushy or, or cliche about this, but really the things that I do to be happy at home um, still trace, they can be traced back to to those those three C's in a way, because um, you know, you you find a way to, you know, you, you, you be with the people that make you feel cared about. And whether that's um, personal relationships or communities like, like you and I share, where you can go and you feel like you belong and you feel like these people care about you and, and you feel connected to them on a, on a deeper level than just, I'm not on a, you know, than just a zoom call. And, and you feel like you try to look for the ways that you can make a difference to the people in your immediate life. Um, people in your zoom life, you know, out there, yeah. it's, it's the same things for me. Uh, you know, the other part is, you know, I, I love, I have to be learning to be happy. Um, I, I, I really have to be traveling now the definition of traveling obviously has changed, but even doing doing road trips and being able to explore the beautiful area, part of the country in the US where I live um, is, is really a privilege. And so it's, it still goes back to these same things. Uh, and that, that's why I talk about it in my three C's is this stuff isn't just for work. It's for human beings, it's for human relationships because you know, as I pointed out with Maslow's hierarchy, these are foundational human needs. To, to And if you have these things, you're going to be happy and, and chances are if you don't um i'm not gonna say you're gonna be happy all the time that's impossible but mm. um you have a much better chance of being happy if you are feeling cared for and if you're feeling connected to somebody important and if you're feeling like you who you are matters um and so it, it's it's all about relationships and so when i talk to people about this stuff i tell them yeah it, it's great at work um and it will either but you can do the same things in your other relationships or just organically, if you, if you have this experience at work, you're going to be happier in life because, you know, we spend so much of our time working. 
uh, you know, work, my, my thing is, you know, work should make us better, not broken. And that's part of my mission is to create these work environments that do make people better and not broken because I was broken when I left my last corporate job. And, mm. you know, I think this, to go back to your last question, part of this model came from, um, you know, I, I was broken down, but I, but, you know, I've learned in, in, in my work on myself over the last few years is to try to treat being broken down and think of it more as being broken open so that new things, new positive things can pour into you. Or hopefully in my case, new sort of ways to contribute to the world come out of you because you're broken apart, um, but you're not necessarily broken down, you're broken open so that, you know, you can have a better exchange of, of positive and, ne and negative things coming in and out of, of your being. Well, that was the greatest answer of happiness in life, just in general, because I have watched you, we have been to, uh, together in this uh, community for what, uh, over a year or something, and you have yeah. just so grown, and after you found, found the, the three C's, it's just like, it's Jason before three C's, and then Jason after three C's, because it's just like, yeah. when it kicks in, then you're just like, you can do everything. So that's yeah, this. yeah, yeah. There's lots of us in that community. I mean, almost everybody I can think of has, I know, become better. And I know that's part of you know what Kevin is is trying to create. We have become better together, to use his phrase. Um, and it's because of of these. You know, I, I can apply these three C's to the, this extraordinary life community because we go there because we know people care about us. We absolutely feel connected to each other, and and every every single person contributes to that community in their own unique way. And I think they're recognized for it. Um, and so these three C's are everywhere. If you just look for them and, and now you know, sometimes I can't help myself. I'll be watching a movie or a TV show or listening to a podcast and I'll be like, yep, care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's everywhere in my, in my mentality now. So, um, uh, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Okay. Give a shout out to Kevin Monroe because he, he like we met, at a gathering with him in his community because like I didn't want to say his name before because he can't say my name. <laughs> yeah. And now now as you have mentioned him, like his Kevin's name, like then we have to yeah. say it's Kevin Monroe and he is I don't know why. I have told him that he is one of my he is on my list to be interviewed, but uh, he's playing like I don't know if do you think he's a princess? Uh, I don't know it's what hard to get. Yeah, it's hard to yeah. get. So we have to, yeah. I have to work on it. But Jason, as always, it's a pleasure. And you, like, you lift my spirit up now because I can see happiness at work and your three C's, it is just like knitted together, like an yeah. Icelandic jumper. Yeah, I, it, it really is. It all, it all is linked together. And, and I know Kevin has created a place of, of happiness for all of us. Um, and then sometimes it's a safe space to not be happy. You know, that's the flip side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, because we, as you said, we can't be happy all the time. Yeah. But I will, like, before we, before I let you go, I need to, I have a challenge. Okay. And you did not know this. No, I did not. In every podcast episode of Tribute to Happiness, you, we end with, you have to say an Icelandic word. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And I... I can't even say your name, so let's give it a shot. <laughs> Can you say... Reidarfjörður. No. Say it for me one more time. Okay, because it's you. Reidarfjörður. Reidarfjörður. <laughs> what does that mean? 
it's a it's a fjord like it's a town uh, on the east side okay. of Icelandic. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad that I can create an opportunity for you to laugh. Well, you know me, I laugh at, uh, like, it doesn't matter what, I, I'll always laugh. <laughs> but Jason, it has been fantastic talking to you, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. It was not... Absolutely. It Any was conversation with you is always sure to lift my spirits, and that's why you are the chief happiness officer. Yes, thank you. So, and I hope people will, like, find you and follow you and, like... Just so too, yeah. Because uh, you know, our, our work goes hand in hand. Um, you call yourself the chief happiness officer. I'm, I am, you know, partly inspired by you. I've been calling myself the chief possibilities officer because when you have these things on your team or in your workplace, your possibilities expand. You know, like we talked about in our community, um, it, it helps really fuel your purpose. And when you, you are clear on your purpose, your possibilities expand greatly. And so, uh, possibilities and happiness, I think, are teammates for sure. Well, I can't. Uh, let's end it there. Okay. Thank you. Mind drop. Yes. My, my, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Okay, my friend. Bye bye. This has been the Tribute to Happiness podcast. Tune in for next week's episode. You'll find us on social media.